Hey there everyone welcome about to the one touch talks this is your host Mayuresh Matkar so we are done with the international fixtures the UEFA Nations League did give a window of four games for the nations to try out their combinations for the World Cup in December and today we will see how that went for England and France we'll also talk about Darwin Nunez signing for Liverpool and Barcelona's annual transfer market woes So before beginning with the podcast we would like to congratulate Australia and Costa Rica who have qualified for the World Cup in Qatar. Costa Rica had to go up against New Zealand and they won by a goal to nil. It was Joe Campbell's goal in the first half which was necessary for Costa Rica to hold on and then they fought out defensively very very hard to get a 1-0 result. Chris Wood by the way scored a goal but it was uh, it was disallowed because of a foul that which took place and it was a right decision a red card as well for new zealand didn't help in the end costa rica managed to win the game 1-0 a heroic performance by the way by keylor navas one of my favorite players in the world today and uh, i'm happy for him he's going to be in the world cup that 2014 team which uh, uh, had so much promise inside them they uh, it's it's some of the same team uh, they still have some of those players around there majorly to talk about is Keylor Navas. They will be in a group alongside Spain and Germany and Japan, three teams who are technically and the quality the quality is uh, relatively very very much bigger than than what Costa Rica can offer. I think Costa Rica if they would make out of the group stage it would be a miracle. I don't think that they uh, would necessarily be very much uh, very much optimistic about themselves they will be happy that they have qualified for the world cup i don't see keylor navas playing after this world cup for for costa rica maybe this is the last time he plays for his national team maybe he will uh, continue to play but what a career it's been over 100 caps for a country like costa rica who let's be honest has not got much exposure inside in uh, out, out of uh, out of their homeland not even in the concacaf so uh, uh, kudos to costa rica australia beat peru Uh, Peru who had qualified for the intercontinent interconfederation playoffs uh, through the uh, con- through, through the CONMEBOL uh, World Cup qualifiers they finished fourth behind Uruguay uh, Ecuador Ar- Argentina and uh, Brazil um, and you know Peru you know I, I felt sad for them but in the end I thought Australia deserved it and kudos to them for for, for qualifying I mean uh, again these uh, these playoffs were not played in the ideal conditions you know the the atmosphere the environment the uh, climate wasn't really suitable to play football and that's the reason why it's been moved from uh, this hot time in the, the middle east to the uh, colder times in november and december uh, we'll see how these uh, these things add up to be but for now Co- costa rica and australia they have my uh, they have my congratulations they have my appreciations and again australia they will have to play against tunisia denmark and france not an easy group by the way uh, it's uh, it's it is tough and so we'll have to see what happens there in australia um, i think they will I, i think they will fancy their chances of beating uh, tunisia maybe an upset against france or denmark i don't see that happening uh, to be honest but you know if there is an upset why not you know football is a very a very curious game a very unpredictable game you know many times the predictions might go wrong it's much more about the heart and the desire at times than it is about the quality of uh, quality of football the technical aspect of the game and all that stuff you know every time it's not every time that it comes to those uh, textbook material that uh, we all are trained to uh, tra- train before before they get into the before they get into the big picture so kudos to australia kudos to costa rica and uh, we will be starting with england in the nations league they haven't even won a game uh, they uh, drew with italy they drew with germany and they have lost two games against hungary um hungary are a very good side by the way they have got a good goalkeeper they've got good bunch of players around there the front line's very very good dominic soboslai roland salai uh, adam shalai as well you know decent enough players around there those two wing backs that they play with very very good they're very influential in the way they uh, set their team up and uh, you know it, i thought hungary really deserved this game uh, really deserved the victory england on the other hand i don't know what they're thinking right now i i really like garrett southgate as a person i think he's one of the best uh, human beings that you can find around the game right now but uh, we don't get marks we don't get points for being good humans uh, you need to be tactically very 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 astounding you need to be uh, qualified to be there and i don't think 
Gareth Southgate is qualified. He's someone who has one quality that a lot of managers won't have. That is that he can put an arm around someone in their bad times and consolidate them. I don't think there are many many coaches that can have that kind of an attribute uh, around them. Uh, by the way, for Hungary, you know, uh, uh, the, the two wingbacks, Zolznagy and... Uh, Attila Fiola, they, they completely dominated this game on the flanks. I thought uh, uh, the, the uh, England defence and the midfield particularly weren't really uh, really up to the task. I thought uh, uh, the midfielder Callum Styles uh, was was incredibly good. He, he was fantastic. He plays for he plays he plays for Barnsley, and you know he he, he was outstanding in this entire game. Even uh, Andras Schaefer, who's uh, who, who's a player who plays for Union Berlin. Different position he plays there, but he's now playing as central midfielder here at Hungary, and he's done he's done brilliantly. Uh, if you look at uh, Adam Sola, he's very very good by ho- on holding the line, and I think he gave uh, John Stones a very hard time. You know, he was good in holding the line. He was good at spreading play across uh, across across his two forwards, uh, Dominic Soboslai and especially uh, Roland Soloi. Uh, Roland Soloi scored a brilliant first goal. You know, it was very hard. In the end, we look at it technique-wise and everything. I thought Roland Salai played a very good hand. Uh, Nagy's goal was the was the most uh, impressive for me. Uh, that brilliant shot. I thought Ramsdale didn't have uh, any any idea that he would hit that with that much power. Uh, but if we talk about England, I thought the managerial thing is a bit of a problem. Uh, it's it's going to show in the World Cup. You do need to have good managers. You know, obviously, if you have to win it, you have to. Uh, you have to win the World Cup. You have to just go through seven games. In seven games, no one knows. If you pick a form just like that, you just get coast through that entire period. For for Gareth Southgate, I think he he had a kind of a philosophy, not a philosophy, but a set of pattern where England used to play. And now it's in in these four games. I think he's just jumbled it all across. And um, well, well, they haven't had much success, and that's. That's very much evident now. Uh, I think he has got a problem now. You're playing three or four right backs. I, I don't get it. I, I I really don't. I I think if you don't have any left backs, there's no obligation of playing uh, a right back and left back. It doesn't make sense. I thought Jerese James was a complete waste of time playing a left back for some time, and he just switched onto the right hand side for after that, and then it looked reasonably good. Uh, I thought. Right now, if he had to choose something, I would have chosen Bukayo Saka to play left back, or uh, even I would have chosen him to play left wing back. I, I would have gone there because uh, it's not that he's not played that position. It's not a long ago that he was playing left back for Arsenal, and uh, I would have I would have at least tried him at left wing back. He played Mark Gehi and he played uh, John Stones at centre back. I, John Stones, I think you need a leader alongside him. I I, I don't buy this. John Stone's verdict. I I think he needs a good centre half alongside him, who's good in communicating with John Stones particularly, and also with the midfield and the goalkeeper, along with the two fullbacks or wingbacks which they play with. Um, I think that is required when you play John Stones. I I, I don't think he they they need to play uh, uh, they, they need to play John Stones uh, with someone like a Mark Gahey. Uh But you know I, I I'm I'm really not sure what. What, what they're thinking about this centre-back pairing. At this moment, I don't think that uh, the most informed centre-back is playing for for England. And the informed centre-back at uh, in, in this England roster is Fikayo Tomori. And I need to see a lot of Fikayo Tomori in this team if uh, they have to be successful. I don't really uh, buy this Sean Stone's idea. I don't buy Mark Gehi, obviously. Uh, Harry Maguire, I think he's a very good player. And I have stated that on a number of occasions. I think Harry Maguire is a good player. He's just been marred with uh, a, lot of, a, a lot of bad form, and I can see that. I mean, we've seen Harry Maguire at Leicester City. I mean, if someone hasn't seen him at Leicester City, he, he is a good player. He, he's good with the ball at his feet. He's a good reader of the game. I know he's not a leader, and he's never been a leader at Leicester. I don't know how that came up in... Solskjaer's mind or anyone who was in that uh, or in that locker room at that time where Harry Maguire was even in his first season he captained Manchester United and I don't think that was the right decision uh, now Eric Ten Hag has said that he uh, would see a election which would appoint a captain I, I don't know how this is going to work but uh, good luck to Eric Ten Hag there
the thing is, Harry Maguire is a good defender and he does not necessarily need a player to stay alongside him to be good. He is a very, very good defender. He's played with Lindelof and he's been good. He's played with Eric Bailly on occasion and he's been good. He's played with people like... Um, uh, I, I don't remember who was that. He's played with Kalahar Soyuncu, if my uh, memory serves right, or he hasn't. Uh, but he, he's played with pe- people in Leicester City. He wouldn't be necessarily that good. But he's still been good enough to, 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 to represent England. And he's been good enough to represent Manchester United and even be their captain. I think he's one player, alongside Fikao Tomori, who I'd play. And then the other guy is going to be Kyle Walker. I think now you need to play three defenders because Kyle Walker does not go up and down on the pitch and that's not his game right now at Manchester City and even even at England he's not being used in that sort of way so maybe that's your back three and you play a wing and you play two wing backs in Saka and you play I, I mean if you have to play 4-3-3 then you have to get in Chilwell and the other one I think is going to be Reese James I don't trust Trent Alexander-Arnold in his defensive uh, in his defensive game it's the uh, philosophy and it's the style of play of Liverpool, which I think suits Alexander Arnold to play at right back, because then you've got Henderson covering him, you've got Fabinho filling up that space alongside uh, Ibrahima Konate or Joe Matti, whoever plays alongside Virgil van Dijk. Uh, and that's that's the way they, they fill up places and they fill up those the, the void created by Alexander Arnold when he's wandering around in the offensive areas. Um, with the left wing back position, I think there is a bit of a conundrum. Ben Chilwell has had a series of injuries and that's kept him out I don't necessarily think that he's going to come in right back into the squad he's, he will have to work his, himself up um, maybe you'll go with Luke Shaw but Luke Shaw hasn't been in good form either he's also been marred with injuries so I think at the moment the best option for you if, for, for best option for Southgate is Bukayo Saka and if he wants that obsession with right backs to continue, maybe Kieran Trippier can play a right back. I mean, yeah, he'll play at a big level right now with Newcastle United. I hope to see him play at right back with Newcastle. So he'll get a lot of game time. He'll get a lot of game time in a in an environment that will really uh, will really suit him because he would be the guy that they will look up to, and uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but the way these, uh, these these pieces put together, I think that's the way I see it. If 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 they're going to play a back three, then going to play a back five with two wing backs. I think that would be a problem. That would be a solution. And then I think Declan Rice is a certainty to start right now at the World Cup in the first game, which where they play. I don't know if I think it's Iran they play, and uh, I think that he's going to be there alongside him. I I don't know who who they'll start. Personally, I think Jude Bellingham should start. Calvin Phillips hasn't shown me enough. I mean, he had a good Euros that I'll give him, but he didn't play well. Didn't play well this time around in the Nations League. Uh, yeah, we'll have to say that he had some injury issues, but you know, uh, he he he's been the most fresh player in this uh, in, in this England squad. He had a time to rest because of his injury. He didn't play the entire second half of the season, so um, he he's good enough to go. And if he was good enough to go, he's that's the reason why he's picked up in the squad. Uh, I think uh, I've not seen much of him. I'm maybe I'm a bit harsher on him, but I've not seen much of him. I'll go with Jude Bellingham and see how that fits up. And I'll have Kane up top alongside um, Mason Mount. That's one certainty. I mean, Mason Mount is the uh, fan favorite right now, and even uh, fan favorite not just in England but also for Chelsea. He's the coach's favorite, uh, not just Gareth Southgate, but even his previous coaches like Frank Lampard have uh, a certain amount of uh, consistency with the love they have for him. Even Thomas Tuchel, I think, likes him. Um, alongside Kane and Mount, I think the front three will probably have Phil Foden. But on form, I would go with Gerard Bowen because uh, he's had a good season. He's, uh, he's he's really had a good season. I think uh, when you look at Gerard Bowen, he's much of, much of a cult hero right now at... Uh, at West Ham, he's kind of the face now of this entire project that West Ham have under uh, under the manager David Moyes, and uh, I think the way West Ham play suits them. I, I haven't, I have seen a lot of promise. I think uh, with Gerard Bowen, he's not particularly let sit, set the scene on fire, but he's actually tried. He's actually tried to make a name for himself, and that's the way I see it. in In terms of uh, Phil Foden, we all know how good he is. 
with the ball at his feet, how good of a technician he is, will get that amount of pressing from him. He's a good creative player, can get you goals as well. Uh, he's got good finishing skills, good ability on the ball. That's all you need from your players. And maybe, yeah, you know, it's a roll of a dice for me, you know, going to get... But we're not going to get Foden, I don't know. Uh, but again, Southgate has had issues with uh, uh, with being a bit... And not just Southgate, but all the uh, all, all the international coaches have had issues regarding their simplicity, or should I say the... Uh, what do you say? The loyalty towards their veteran players. And veteran players, I mean to say that loyalty towards players like Raheem Sterling. He's not had a good season. I believe he's going to be on his way out. He, Manchester City are not interested in uh, giving him any contract extension. He's looking for options abroad. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, even Chelsea are interested in uh, Raheem Sterling, uh, as, per, as per my sources have told me. Um, I, I, don't see che- I, I don't see Raheem Sterling starting in terms of, of the way things have been. But again, uh, things weren't good enough uh, last season for Raheem Sterling and he still started... Uh, for England in that game against Croatia and then he was one of the best players for England in that tournament Uh, we'll have to see what happens I think uh, with Chelsea uh, I'm sorry with Raheem Sterling you have got that sort of uh, reliability when he plays for England and same with Harry Maguire I think you have got that reliability that he'll always be good he hasn't been rubbish for England whenever he's played even in the international break when he was absolutely having a torrid time at Manchester United he came up and England showed up had a good game again you know Manchester United they play relatively tougher oppositions than uh, than, than England have to play you, know, you have got Lindenstein and Faroe Islands and all those sides you know not going to push up a lot of threat there you can have a cigar in your hand and then defend it's not going to make any difference for you uh, because your team is that good but he hasn't been that bad for England, so I don't think uh, there is any reason to doubt what Harry Maguire can bring in. I think Fikayo Tomori, I'd need to see a lot of Fikayo Tomori, and maybe one between Cody and Tyron Minks would be an option. Tyron Minks, I'm particularly not sure. Uh, Connor Cody, yeah, I can make a case for Connor Cody. Um, if you look at the other options, John Stones, I think he's going to be there. It's going to be between him and Harry Maguire. I think him and Harry Maguire are going to start. I, I don't think so. He's going to pick, pick in Fikayo Tomori at this moment. But it's it's a way to start. I think the uh, the void that has been created in that sort of uh, in in that in that mind of Har- Gary Southgate, I think he's it's it's just getting on him. I think the the uh, players or not not the players, but the fans who are asking for his head, it's just too much. I think he's going to be there uh, for the group stage. If they get out of the group stage, it's going to be fired. I think if they, if they get out of the quarterfinals again, he's going to be fired anyways. I think he at least needs to get them to the semifinals. I don't see this uh, entire package completely mould up for a semifinals, semifinal finish. I don't see that happening. Um, but yeah, who knows? Uh, anything can happen. You know, football, we don't know what is in store for us next. So we'll look up to it. And for England, I think uh, woes are very, 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 very considerably high. I mean, they have just scored one goal in this entire Nations League. They have just scored one goal in this entire international break. And that was a penalty from Harry Kane. I mean, that's, that's, that's bad. I mean, you have to say that. That, that, that was bad. A nil-nil draw against Italy... In a game where Italy could have won, you know, they had some chances. Uh, I, I I believe with Hungary, I think Hungary humiliated them at the Molyneux. Uh, even, uh, even in Budapest, they humiliated them. And I think uh, with, with England, you have to say that the pressure is mounting. And the pressure will be there from the English media. And they're not going to just wait on Gareth Southgate to get a good result. They're going to be on his back. They're going to be on his... Uh, 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 on, on his bandwagon, so that he's uh, well, they they have to be they have to be one of the best teams right now in in terms of the squad, one of the best generations that they have for England. But what we're seeing right now, it's just it's just terrible. And to not have one one game, I mean, I know it's a big of a, a bit of a cliche there, but you've got teams like Italy and Germany are not a not a piece of cake to walk over in a game, anyways. But you know, it's. It's bad when you see that they don't even want a sing- win a single game from four with uh, two of them at home. I, I, I don't know. I mean, gee, I, I think um, 
England in a bit of a trouble, and this should be resolved as soon as possible. I think Gareth Southgate and his job is on the line, and I think if uh, things get bad to worse, um, we might even see things getting out of hand. They have got the United States and Wales in the in their group alongside Iran. I think they will get their get some points chopped off in the group itself. I don't know if it's going to be against USA because you know it's football against soccer and all those things. Uh, USA and um, I I don't know USA. I, I don't believe they're going to get some points off them. But yeah, Wales can do it. Wales have a good side. They can do it. They have uh, mounted up some challenges for teams like Belgium and Netherlands uh, in the Nations League. They haven't been on the uh, flying sense of the Welsh term but yeah they have looked good so maybe Wales can take sides of them and maybe if you are completely absurd you're completely below average or below par might just get knocked out by Iran altogether so it's going to be a tricky one it's going to be a tricky one but yeah I do think England will do well not really get into the semi-finals but around the round of 16 quarter-final mark and then I think they they'll 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 be a uh, I'll make a bold prediction right now. They'll be a victim of an upset. Mark my words, I think it's going to be Senegal. Maybe Senegal. I don't know. But England, they're in a bit of a trouble. And they need to resolve it really, really quickly. So just like England, France have also got their problems. They haven't won a single game yet in the Nations League. They are bottom of their group, which consists of uh, relatively very good teams like uh, Austria, Croatia and Denmark. Um, they haven't won a game yet. They have lost twice. That was at home, both the times, at home to Denmark and to Croatia. They have uh, drawn away in Austria, courtesy of that Kylian Mbappe goal, very late in the game. They uh, drew away in split as well in, against Croatia. Uh, by Andrei Kramaric uh, scored a penalty in the dying seconds of the game. But they have got some problems right now. They uh, do have some players who are playing just because of their reputation. And uh, I'm talking about Antoine Griezmann there. He's not looked as uh, as good as we expect him to be. He is still the player that Didier Deschamps has picked up. And, uh, well, we'll talk about Deschamps as well. But I think uh, we'll have to talk about some of the players which... Uh, Certainly tailing off, I will talk about the defence. You look at Benjamin Pavar and Lucas Hernandez. Lucas Hernandez, whenever he plays, he looks good. Whenever he doesn't play, well, it does look a bit questionable. I have got no confidence in President Kimpembe and if he's going to be your guy until the end of a season, until the end of a campaign, a seven-game tournament, to be consistent enough to be a good defender. I think the football IQ there is really lacking for President Kimpembe. I've not, I've not got nothing against the guy, but just think that he's not good enough to starting uh, to start a game in this French national side as of now. Um, we talk about Jules Koundé, and Jules Koundé, uh, well, he's going to make a move, that's for certain, this summer. I don't think Sevilla have got any... Uh, they've got any idea about where he's going to move in, and they've got no intention of keeping him because... He will be getting some money for them. They've asked for $65 million. There have been clubs interested for him. Uh, we've seen Chelsea being interested. Uh, recently, reports coming out of Catalonia as well that Barcelona have been interested. We'll talk about that as well uh, in, the pods, uh, in, in the podcast later. Uh, but Jules Koundé, um, whenever he's played for France, he hasn't looked good. A majority of the time when he's played for France, he's played a right back, which is not his uh, natural position. I don't think he's... Uh, Someone who's specifically uh, made to play in his natural position. He's played well when he's played alongside Diego Carlos uh, in a back four for Sevilla. And he, he's done well for Sevilla. So I think he merits a chance uh, in the national team. But even in the national team, he hasn't looked really that promising. Uh, if you talk about other defenders, they've got Rafael Varane. Who he's not had a good season. But I expect him to be at the, at the World Cup in Qatar. And, However the uh, season goes up for Manchester United, he's going to play for France, that's for sure. Um, oh, look at other defenders, Benjamin Pavard. Uh, I think he's... I, I, I always question him as a, as a footballer. I, I think he's not a good footballer in the true sense of the word, but he does a job. He does a more than good job defensively. I am not particularly sure of his final ball when uh, he's on the offensive run, but... Surely, on the defensive aspect of the game, he's, he's done decently. He's 
done enough to convince the convince Bayern Munich and to convince uh, uh, the French national team that he's going to be there around for some time now. And he's he is a good player, so I think they'll keep hold of him. Right now, the thing that Didier Deschamps has opted for is a back three, and he's chose to play a back three, and it's been an obsession for him uh, since that game against uh, Switzerland, where they were knocked out of the competition. Uh, not particularly sound memories for all the French national team fans, but we'll talk about this uh, kind of a back three here. This allows this French national side to actually have uh, players like Kingsley Coman included in the squad and Theo Hernandez, who... And Kingsley Coman, in the true sense of the word, is a winger. He's not a wing-back, he's not a full-back. He's a winger, he's a proper winger. And he's good when he's attacking things. And I, I don't think currently he's in a mood, and Didier Deschamps is in a mood to play a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 with a winger named Kingsley Coman. So I think the the best position that he can choose for himself is going to be in the uh, in, in the middle of the park. In, 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 uh, I'm sorry, not in the middle of the park, but uh, outside of the wings, particularly in the right wing. Vitor Hernandez, I've always been questioning his defensive attribute and he hasn't really, uh, he hasn't really convinced me on his defensive work rate. I think... Uh, with all those things said, I think they'll have to play a back four to make out a good balance of the side. But I don't think they will be playing a back four in a way. So I would say that they have got players that, that they can use in a certain way. I think they, again, are a very fragile side going up attacking-wise. They have got... They, they lack patterns of play. And something uh, that I am really uh, doubtful of Didier Deschamps is that He's not particularly, in my in, in my opinion, a very good tactician. He's a good man-manager. He's someone who is uh, very much respected in France, not just in that national team, but in the entire France. A World Cup winning captain. Only two people have uh, had that... Uh, what do you say? Only two people have had the luxury of calling them World Cup winning captains in that country. And that is... One is Didier Deschamps and the other one is Hugo Lloris. Um... Uh, but yeah, talking about Hugo Lloris, I don't think he's the best French goalkeeper right now. I gladly give that place to one between uh, Mike Menon, who's been brilliant since the last two seasons, uh, whether it's been playing for Lille or even here at AC Milan. He's done brilliantly for both these clubs. He's won two league titles in two years, won the Liga and the next the uh, Serie A. So uh, I think he's one. And the other one is Ian Melier. I think uh, Ian Melier has been uh, fantastic for Leeds United. Yeah, Leeds United leak a lot of goals, but it's not down to uh, Ian Melier. He's, he's made mistakes on the odd occasions, but he's been fantastic for Leeds United. He's been tremendous. He's, his shot-stopping ability is fantastic. He saves a lot of goals. He's a good goalkeeper. I'm not sure about his... Uh, uh, ball playing abilities as I'm not sure about I'm not sure about his ball playing ability I'm sure that I, I know for sure that uh, Hugo Lloris is not a good ball playing cent uh, not a ball playing uh, goalkeeper he's anything but a good ball playing goalkeeper so I, I think Hugo Lloris will keep his place for this tournament and no matter what he's going to be their goalkeeper in uh, in the games to come and I think uh, I'd stand by it and we'll, we'll see what happens with uh, with with Hugo Lloris, I think they, they're going to keep him in. They're going to see how it works out, and then uh, then make a change. I think that would be the ideal situation for them. Maybe Hugo Lloris sticks around until 2024. That Euros in Germany, I don't know, but ideally, I would like to see him retire off in, from the national team after the season. So after after this uh, World Cup, so maybe if they're in the, I mean, they're not going to qualify for the Nations League semi-finals. That's for sure now. With a group standing, so maybe he'll retire after this uh, after this showpiece event. Uh, if you talk about the midfield, I think they have got abundant options there. But the two players who are so, who are sure certain to start have had a bad season. Different reasons for each of them, but they have had bad seasons. One of them is Angelo Kante. He's not particular. I mean, Angelo Kante does uh, set high standards for himself, and uh, well the other one as well but Angelo Kante in particular on club football level he's been setting high standards for Chelsea uh, I, I think uh, he's been he's been very much troubled by the injuries and that's something that I don't really blame him for but whenever he's played he's not looked the Angelo Kante from the uh, from, from the season that they won the European European Cup so I would like to see a much more 
dynamic and Galocante in the side and uh, see how things work out for him there. Uh, the other one is Paul Pogba and, uh, well, we'll have to look at the Pogmentary that he's been releasing, the documentary of Paul Pogba. Um, well, it's, 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 it's just stupid to even think that Paul Pogba said in that Pogmentary of his that he expected Manchester United to give him a raise if they wanted him to stay at the club. I mean, he and, him and the late Mina Raiola were talking about it. And I thought that it was just a load of garbage that he was talking about. What have you done to expect a raise in Manchester United? And you've done nothing. You've just been there on your, on, on your backside, been heavily criticised for what you've been there. I won't go on his uh, hairs and stuff because it's his own personal matter. I don't care what he does with his hair. But on the field, he never gives me a, a, a chance to actually applaud that he's actually trying something. He never makes a defensive, uh, defensive effort. He never makes an effort to win the ball back. If it's too hard, he does not go in there. Gets sent off for stupid things, you know. And he's he's just been a disappointment. He's been a mere disappointment at Manchester United. And if you know what what he's done for the club, you'll never sign him again. Um, I mean, it's been a disappointment, obviously. And what do you expect him to, again, go for it, sign another deal at Manchester United? I mean, that's not going to happen. Uh, we were obviously even surprised that they even asked him to sign a deal. I mean, I won't have given him the same money that was, that he was on. Uh, in the first place, I would have said that you know what, off you go, off you go for before this contract ends. You know, go off in the season before. You know, I, I would have done that. I, I don't know about Manchester United, but I would have done that. You know, Paul Pogba, it has been a mere disappointment. What does he say in that Pogmentary, all that sort of garbage? I don't, I don't, I don't really. Uh, I'm not the one who's really going to be entertained with that sort of things. Uh, by the way, yeah, you know. Apart from the Pogmentary, he's been mere disappointment again this season. And then whenever he turns up for the national team, he has got that glimpse. Uh, and he's, he's got that seven, eight games window of uh, really pulling up his socks and playing exceptionally well. He's not really uh, been the par this, uh, in this, in this uh, national break. But we'll, I'll, I'll hope to see him and N'Golo Kante together. Alongside them, I see Aurelien many playing there. He's made a move to Real Madrid. I would have actually advised him to stay at Monaco, be uh, a part of that playoff system in the Champions League, get in the group stage of the Champions League and see what happens then. Um, uh, you know, if he plays at Monaco, he still has that consistent uh, amount of games that he plays. I don't see him playing a lot of games this season at Real Madrid. Yeah, he's He's made a good move. It's a big money move. You expect him to play, but you've still got the old guard of Cruz, Casemiro, Modric. His uh, genuine position, in my opinion, is going to be that number six role of uh, Casemiro. Uh, I don't see him vacating that role just yet, so we'll see what happens there. Antoine Griezmann in the attack has been a bit of a circumspect, and I don't see him starting. That's how I see that. You know, uh, In terms of form, in terms of merit, I think Christopher Nkunku deserves it. And three best players of this uh, season, Mbappe, Nkunku and Benzema, I don't see them all clicking together at one place and that's something that I would like to talk about Benzema's been brilliant and even have Mbappe and those two click together but when you chuck in Christopher and Kunku there it just seems a mismatch uh, in my opinion so that's how I'd like to see the team uh, built up in a back four in a, in a back five with Coleman there and all those sort of pieces fitting together you've also got players you know, you've got a lot of players in that French national side uh, and there's just uh, this is abundant of talent there. You know, you've got Anthony Martial who comes good, can be a bit of an added substance to your side. Olivier Giroud is going to be there. He's had a good season at AC Milan whenever he's played. He's uh, he's looked good, um, so he'll be there. Uh, you've got in the defense as well. You've got Ibrahima Konate. You've got David Pamecano if he does good. Uh, but ideally, I would like to see a back four: Theo Hernandez, Lucas Hernandez. Alongside Rafael Varane and Benjamin Pavard in the back four, uh, in the midfield, I would see. Uh, I would like to see uh, Chouameni, uh, Pogba, and Kante, and up front, I would like to see. Uh, I mean, I, I really don't think Nkunku, Mbappe, and uh, Benzema work together as as in in what I what I hope to see that. But in terms of uh, the way uh, French national team can set up themselves. I think they could actually make a case for Griezmann to come back into the side and maybe have a good spell of uh, 10 to 12 games. I don't know for sure, but they can have that. 
Kingsley Coleman, if they want a, a winger to actually support Benjamin Pavard on that right-hand side, yeah, you can go for Kingsley Coleman alongside Mbappe and Benzema. Yeah, you can chuck in Nkunku and see if uh, things work out, but really don't see that things working up. Uh, the first game is going to be against Denmark, so it's going to be a bit of uh, a hard start to their campaign. I don't really fancy them taking all the three points, but yeah, obviously you have to question how things would work up if... Uh, if, oh, if everything sorts out for them. Uh, but yeah, you know, if you look at the Nations League, they have got two games left. Uh, they will have to go away to uh, the parking stadium in Copenhagen to play Denmark. And then they have got the uh, home game in the, uh, uh, in the Stade de France in Saint-Denis uh, against, uh, against, against Austria. So not very easy games, but I at least hope then they will uh, win one. I and mean, they have been disappointing, that's for sure. Apart from Benzema, I haven't seen much more uh, bright and shining light there. You know, yeah, you know, uh, uh, we have seen uh, Kylian Mbappe score against uh, Austria in that game, but that was a mere cameo from Kylian Mbappe off the bench. You haven't seen much of him uh, of late, but I, I see France being a very good side. And, and again, Didier Deschamps, uh, he's not had a good season. Uh, he's not had a good time right now. He's uh, just uh, recently lost his father, so... Uh, uh, power to him. May his uh, may his soul rest well, rest well, and rest in peace. Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, Didier Deschamps with all this talent does not seem to me a very good coach. He's a good man manager, demands respect, commands respect from his players, but he's not a good tactician. He's not a good uh, coach, in my opinion. He's not on that level of Chiche and. Uh, Mancini and Hansi Flick and all those guys, even Scaloni, I think he's a better coach than uh, Didier Deschamps. I mean, yeah, he's done good things even in his uh, club career. He's uh, won league titles. He's done well with Juventus. He's done well with uh, teams like uh, uh, teams like Monaco as well. But he's he's not a good coach in my opinion, and uh, I would stand by that decision. We'll see how France go in in the days to come. We'll have a detail view of how things uh, may work out for them. But until then, I think uh, this is a bit of a shambles. World Cup curse, I don't really believe in those sort of things. But yeah, I mean, who knows what could happen in football? It's very unpredictable. So Darwin Nunez has been signed by Liverpool from Benfica after a very good season in the Champions League and even in the Liga Nosh. It's been a another signing for Jurgen Klopp and it seems to be on the right track. Uh, it is a reaction, maybe, but a reaction to the departure of Sadio Mane, who said to be on his move to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich have just now proposed a 42 million euros worth a fee to pay for Sadio Mane, which I think is realistically, it, it is realistically good enough for Liverpool to accept it. Uh, so Darby Nunez being signed in, he's uh, he's been a very very good player for Benfica last season. The season before that, he's just spent two players. He, he's just been uh, he's just been a player for two seasons at Benfica. I beg your pardon there. Uh, he's uh, his first season wasn't that really effective. He wasn't really sure on his uh, decision making at times in his first season. He used to uh, shoot when he had to pass, and uh, also I'm sorry when he had to shoot, he used to pass. To, uh, very rarely the the uh, the, the switch case, uh, but next the next the last season he has been really really good. He's scored some very important goals in the Champions League, whether it be that brace uh, at the Stadio de la Luz uh, in 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 Lisbon against Barcelona. He scored at the Allianz Arena against Bayern. He scored even away at uh, Ajax and against uh, Liverpool at Anfield. So it was a noteworthy. Uh, player on the transfer market. West Ham United did choose to uh, go out and sign him, but he was uh, really outpriced. They offered uh, Benfica 45 million euros at that time in January, but he wanted to play in the Champions League, albeit for just a limited period of time with Benfica. He played there in the Champions League, made a name for himself. Uh, uh, yeah, he's a good player, to be honest. He's uh, a, d a decent player. He's had to play with... Uh, a second strike. He had to play a second striker at times when uh, Benfica played Harry Seferovic alongside him. Uh, sometimes he had to play with uh, as a lone striker when they had uh, the likes of Gonzalo Ramos, uh, Everton, and Rafa Silva playing behind him. Uh, he's playing different systems, but he's not the kind of a guy who has uh, a kind of uh, 
that striker trait of lumping the balls into him. He's not that kind of a guy. He's uh, more likely to be uh, your runner in behind. He's got good pace as well. He's uh, good with either of his feet. He's got good uh, left-footed strike rate and also a good right-footed strike rate. Uh, he's uh, one who really likes to be at the end of a far post. Uh, uh, be, be at the end of the far post. You know, he's uh, good at uh, getting him there. He's got good positional sense. That is that is one of his strengths. And he can play at left uh, on the on the left wing as well, if if required. He can play in uh, two up front. He can play on the left wing when required. He's naturally a striker, which plays up top as a number nine. So I would expect him to play there a lot. Uh, Jurgen Klopp has come out and said that he's still a work in progress. Uh, he's not really going to thrust him with all his expectations. I mean, there will be expectations. Obviously, when you're playing for Liverpool, you always have to go with uh, go through that barrage of expectations. But He's going to have that sort of uh, cushioned inside him. He's going to have time to uh, really think about what his next steps would be at Liverpool. He's going to be uh, given the time to nurture his talent at Liverpool. So he's going to get that time. He's going to get that uh, cushion. He's going to get that honeymoon period for him. And that's something that, you know, you expect from a club like Liverpool. You can expect from a, a manager like uh, Jurgen Klopp will allow his players to ease into a system rather than to just uh, chuck in there and expect performances. I mean, you expect performances, but not really get disheartened if uh, something goes wrong. Um, as for Liverpool, it's been, uh, it's, it's, it has been fantastic for them. And they've traded Portuguese players before. They've traded players from the Portuguese league. You know, you can talk about uh, uh, someone like a Luis Diaz, who's been such a brilliant talent for them since uh, he's joined from Porto. Uh, players like Diogo Jota, who's generally a, a Porto Academy player, didn't play much at Atletico Madrid, was uh, a bit part, was a good player at Wolves, and then he's come in and fit in so very well. So they've had good relationships with these Portuguese uh, leagues. Uh, they have helped with Pep Linders uh, being at Porto for some time and enjoying enjoying the culture enjoying the football league there understanding it so very well and that's helped them a lot the recruitment team is simple is certainly something that has grown into leaps and bounds so i expect david nunez to be good i don't expect him to be starting in that first game where the premier league schedule has just been arrived so i don't expect him to be starting in that first game the first game is going to be against fulham if i'm not wrong so i don't expect them to start him in that first game, there would be Jota, Diaz and Salah. Uh, it's a curious case now with Salah as well because uh, whether he's going to sign a new contract, I don't know, but expect him to sign a new contract because uh, Darwin Nunez will be earning way less than uh, Sadio Mane or relatively less than Sadio Mane, what he was earning. And uh, Salah would really take a part of his uh, salary cap and have himself at Liverpool for at least three more years. I expect him to be there for at least three more years after this one. So, uh, yeah, I expect Salah to be there at least till 2026. I think after that, I think he can make his decision and uh, say uh, say his farewell to the uh, to, to the Liverpool crowd. And again, he's been a Liverpool legend for now. You know, he's uh, he's won everything that there is to win. Um, you'll probably have a lot of uh, baggage around him uh, in this season because... He'll be the man, along with Sadio Mane, he was the man for them. Obviously, Roberto Ferbin has played his part as well, but this season he's going to be that talisman, the experienced guy in that team. Yeah, you know, you can always have uh, around your support cast around him, but when the limelight is, again, is on you all the time, you, you're going to have to deliver. And we all know Mo Salah's been such an important player for Jurgen Klopp. He's not going to just uh, lay him out for dry. And uh, again, I think uh, Mo Salah, when... If he decides to leave in a free, I think uh, they will acknowledge that and they will allow him to leave in a free. But at this age, at this point in time in his career, I think he's made the best decision. He's going to see and look out for himself. His priority is to to stay at Liverpool and uh, to continue uh, under Jurgen Klopp, uh, which I think is the best for him as well because... uh, because he knows this league, he knows Jurgen Klopp, he knows Liverpool fans love him, love him to death. So uh, they're not going to be sick and tired of him. So we'll have to see what happens with Jurgen Klopp with uh, Mo Salah as well. But as for Darwin Nunez, it's a big signing, it's a good signing. He's someone who's uh, grown up in poverty, just like Luis Diaz. He he grew up in a town very close to the Brazilian border in Uruguay. He was. Uh, not far away from the uh, metropolitan city of uh, Montevideo, which is the capital of Uruguay. And, you know, he's had a tough time. His, his brother had to uh, 
his brother and him both equally talented at that time uh, they both went to training in Montevideo was very uh, very much grained in poverty when they didn't have much to uh, eat as well in the night so uh, his brother opted to stay out and help his family with the income and uh, Darwin in the, eventually went up to uh, uh, went up to uh, the academy at Peñarol and uh, actually went into leaps and bounds after that you know it's a very good story about him uh, he's 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 got his uh, feet touched to the ground he's not particular i mean again he's he wasn't really a benfica fan from uh, from his uh, from from his childhood days but when you get a uh, get a team like benfica who's a european giant in 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 some of the other sense of the word you you have them knocking on your door you don't say no to them uh, even when he was at almeria which is uh, who uh, play in the second division of Spanish football? It's not an easy place to go. You know, it's uh, they play a lot of games in Almeria, and uh, it's 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 brilliant. It's brilliant for for Almeria as well, where they will be receiving some of uh, the money from that deal, which will be uh, uh, which will be circulating downwards. Uh, I think uh, he, he again with Benfica as well. He didn't have the best of the season in that first one the second one it really did blossom and he played extremely well for, for my liking so he, he will be going to a club where he will be respected he will be uh, nurtured a lot with Liverpool he will be having a lot of uh, uh, good players around there and they will, he will have that South American contingent with him you know you look at players like uh, players like Luis Diaz players like Roberto Firmino himself included there Diogo Jota is Portuguese himself so he will also be in that sort of category. Even Fabio Carvalho is now joined from uh, uh, from Fulham. So the, 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 there are players who who will be having that sort of connectivity between themselves. So it's good for him to be there. Uh, and again, word on Benfica. I mean, we all talk about Ajax and all those uh, academies, Barcelona. Benfica is one such academy which uh, keeps on developing players on that sort of level. I mean, look at look at right now you know how many players right now are playing at the highest level who are from the Benfica Academy you look at Darwin Nunez right now you look at Joao Felix who's the fourth biggest transfer move that's happened in the history of football and that's from Benfica to Atletico Madrid he's not really had that sort of impact at Atletico Madrid but he's again a very very good footballer you look at Ruben Diaz you look at Joao Cancelo you look at uh, players like uh, Edison and uh, uh, Jan Oblak and again you can talk about players like Angel Di Maria, Bernardo Silva so many players even uh, th- th- there are many options you can uh, obviously talk about players uh, who who haven't really blossomed like Nelson Simeone who played at a good level at, uh, at, at Barcelona but really didn't work out for him so players they have been very very good there's no doubt about that there's the blossoming of talent that hasn't really happened but we have seen a lot of players be at Benfica and do very, very well in the near future. And I expect a lot of big things from him. And especially when you have uh, such a talent at Benfica, it doesn't stay for much longer. And that's how Liverpool have acted. They've talked them in, spiced up things and uh, galloped him very, very easily. And that's how big clubs react to such opportunities. That's good for them. That's good for Liverpool. That's good for the Premier League. All the best to Darwin Nunez. I hope to see him soon banging a goals for Liverpool. Uh, obrigado, Benfica, for another gem from their academy. And uh, not from their academy, from their team. They've developed them well. And we'll see what happens with Darwin Nunez. But I really think uh, it's going to be a very, very huge success. So away from Darwin Nunez and Liverpool, we now move on to Catalonia. We now move on to the camp now in Barcelona. Or should I say the Spotify camp now as uh, the Spotify deal has been agreed from Barcelona. Joan Laporta has said that uh, 49% of their museum and all those kind of deals made up. They have signed the CVC deal. Everything now has been set up. They're going to receive 700 million euros. So now, as they have received 700 million euros they will be able to spend one-fourth of their salary, in, of, of their savings. So out of the 700 million euros, they will be able to spend 175 million euros in this season's transfer market. We'll look at some of their transfer We'll look at some of the transfer rumours, we'll look at some of the possible transfer targets, and we'll see how things could happen for them. But, you know, good for them, you know, for Barcelona. They have... Uh, they, they will be having that amount of money, that 515 million, 525 million euros, 
to uh, repay their taxes, to repay their debts and everything. And we'll see how things work out for them. But, you know, they had signed the CVC deal. Florentino Perez said, and even one, uh, even, uh, what is his name? Uh, Javier Tebas said that, uh, well, the need, the need to uh, have something around there to, uh, to actually sign players like Robert Lewandowski. I think... Uh, Lewandowski right now is least of their concerns. I don't think Lewandowski should be on their priority list as of now. Uh, if you look at the team, they uh, with this CVC deal signed in, I don't see Frankie de Jong leaving the club for Manchester United. I really didn't thought that it made sense for Manchester United to pay 85 million euros for Frankie de Jong. I mean, it's just absurd. There's no way that they're going to pay 85 million euros for a, for a flop at Barcelona. It's, it's that dead simple. But it makes sense for Barcelona to actually ask for that sort of money because, uh, well, yeah, I mean, obviously they paid 75 million euros to Ajax for that, uh, for that matter. So they will, they will have to regenerate that some amount of cash again, need to be in profit. So they will attract some, uh, some clubs because, uh, well, Darwin, because uh, Frankie de Jong is, yeah, he's a good player. He's a good uh, technician. It hasn't worked for him at Barcelona, but he is a good player. So I don't think they will be uh, needing him to sell, sell Frankie de Jong right now. They will have him. They are looking at Robert Lewandowski. I don't see... Uh, I mean, Bayern, they're looking... I mean, Bayern, I mean, I don't know what's happening with Bayern Munich there. Some days, uh, Pini Zahavi says something else. Hassan Salahamid did say something else. And then Oliver Kahn has to say something else. And I, we don't know what the real situation is right now. Uh, but uh, Robert Lewandowski has made it clear that he wants to leave. Uh, the possible two destinations for him... I don't see him going to Paris Saint-Germain, so that's out of the window. The two destinations are Chelsea and Barcelona. He is hell-bent on moving at Barcelona because Xavi has said something to him and, uh, well, I, I don't know what's going to happen there because Xavi, I, I'll give him one thing. Xavi is very good at manipulating people's minds and he's done that with Pablo Torre as well because Real Madrid were also on his back to sign him as their new player. But uh, Xavi said that he gave examples of Isco and other players and said that, well, you know, don't sign for them because technical players don't succeed at Real Madrid. I mean, that's absolute bullshit. I mean, I'm sorry to use that sort of language there, but it's bullshit. It, it's, it's not really true. Uh, you look at uh, what, what has happened in, uh, in a couple of uh, last couple of seasons. Well, then technical players like Sergio Busquets haven't really, uh, really surpassed expectations. I mean, he's been a good player, he's been a legend. Now he can't run. You can look at Frankie de Jong, he hasn't succeeded either. I mean, you can look at players like Pedri and Gavi and say, yeah, they have succeeded. But you have uh, other pools as well where things are not particularly sound. So majorly, they're not even pulling up trees. Even Ferran Torres, a very good technical player, is not even pulling up trees in Barcelona yet. So, yeah, you, know, you haven't really been on that, on, that, on that level yet. You need some physicality. You need something of the other dimension as well to really succeed in, in conditions, even in La Liga. So, yeah. We'll have to see what happens there. So, yeah, Robert Lewandowski, he's, uh, he, uh, Xavi has said, uh, he's talked to him and he's convinced him to come to Barcelona. I think he, if, if you want to win something in the immediate term, I think you would sign for Chelsea. If you look at the coaches, uh, Thomas Tuchel and Xavi, it, I mean, if you, you have to be really uh, playing for Barcelona, you have to be someone who's got depth from Xavi to say that he's a better coach than Thomas Tuchel. I think Thomas Tuchel is way ahead of Xavi in terms of accomplishments and, uh, uh, and, and managing football and the style of play as well. I think Xavi has not that good of style of play. I don't really think that that's the real way to play in, in modern football right now, just passing the ball around. Um, I need some physicality. I need some directness in the game as well. So that's something that I do get from Thomas Tuchel. And the team around me in Chelsea would be much more dependable uh, on getting a result, I mean, with, with or without me, you know, for Barcelona, more often than not, you're going to be the guy, you're going to be the man to uh, really be there, so, yeah, you know, I, I don't think uh, it would be, it, it would be feasible for them, as far as the saleable asset goes for Barcelona, if they want to have more money, I don't think they have got many saleable assets, the only saleable assets they have right now are Pedri and, uh, Pedri and Gavi, who I don't think would be sold, Nico Gonzalez can be a good can be a good asset on the market, but I don't think Xavi is going to take that risk and get uh, get Nico Gonzalez out of the team. You can talk about Frankie De Jong. You can talk about Marc Andre Ter Stegen. I am not sure sure 
which team would take Marc-Andre Ter Stegen right now. I don't think there is a market for him. You still have Neuer at Bayern Munich. You still have... Uh, the, the, in the Dortmund have invested heavily in Drago Kobo. Uh, you have uh, the other teams in uh, Germany like Leipzig. I think that's the only destination that is in line with uh, Ter Stegen's accomplishments. And Leipzig always have Peter Gulacci, a very dependable goalkeeper. If you look at the Premier League, the top six... Yeah, Arsenal have got a Ramsdale, who I don't think is going anywhere in the near future. De Gea and Manchester United. De Gea's had a good season, so yeah, he's going to stay at Manchester United. Uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea are out of the question already. Tottenham, maybe. Yeah, Tottenham, maybe, because Hugo Lloris is still there. I'm not particularly sure about Hugo Lloris, but will they take him? Italy, I don't think, are going to be there. Menor, Milan, if uh, Inter have signed uh, Andre Onana. Juventus have Wojciech Szczesny. Uh, in, in France, you've got Paris Saint-Germain. And, well, you don't want to go there, for starters, yeah. So, um, yeah, Marc-Andre Tristegen, I don't see a market for him. Um, if you look at the others, I think Ronald Araujo is one who you can actually sell. Uh, but I don't think you're going to make that decision because Ronald Araujo uh, maybe asked for a fee around 60 to 65 million euros. I don't see him being as good as people expected him to be. He's been very good at in occasions. In glimpses, he's done very, very good. But I don't think he's done enough to uh, have my praises for, with him. So, yeah, I'd, I'd see Ronald Araujo, Frankie de Jong, Memphis Depay and Ter Stegen. I think these are the only people who you can get some money. Apart from them, yeah, you can have Nico Gonzalez and Sergio Dest. That's around it. I, th- I don't think there are many you can actually hope to sell. Ferran Torres can be one of them, but you've just signed him six months ago. That makes no sense to sell him now. Um, they have um, reached agreements with uh, Frank Kessier, who I think is a very good addition to the squad, and even uh, Andres Christensen. Um, even says that Aspilicueta might come in as right back because Danny Alves has left. And then you've got Robert Lewandowski. They're looking for Bernardo Silva and that's a completely different situation. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, but yeah, if you look at this, uh, if these signings come together and they don't have to sell Frankie de Jong and all those other guys, how can Barcelona line up for next season? They have the Stegen in goal. They have uh, Jordi Alba at left back who will be my captain. You've got Aspilicueta at right back. You've got Araujo and Christensen. Christensen, I'm not sure, is a good defender in a back four. He struggled in a back four formation under under Frank Lampard. He hasn't really played in a back four with the Danish national side. They play always play in a back three with uh, the likes of uh, Vestergaard, Christensen and uh, Simon Kier. So I haven't seen much of him in back four. And whenever I've seen him in a back four, he hasn't really impressed me that much. Um... Uh, going up in the midfield, I think, realistically speaking, there is time to move on now from Sergio Busquets. I've been a big fan of Sergio Busquets uh, during his time in Barcelona. Even after being a Real Madrid fan, Sergio Busquets has been one of the best players around in rotating the ball from the midfield. And he's done a fantastic job of his uh, of what, uh, what has handed to him for more than a decade now. And for now, I think it's time to move on from him and uh, to get someone like a Frankie de Jong in that number six row. Alongside him, Frank Kessier and Pedri uh, make up my midfield three. And then going up top, I'll say Ansu Fati at the left wing, uh, Lewandowski centrally, and then you've got uh, Ferran Torres on the right wing. That's my Barcelona eleven. I mean, that looks really a better unit than, than Real Madrid. I think if the philosophy fits in rightly, it looks a better unit than Real Madrid with the aging stars and all those kind of things. I, I'm, maybe I'm just getting a bit ahead of myself, but this looks a very tasty team to play against. And if, if you look at the midfield, Kessier has been one of the best players. I, I, I don't really believe this is going to be any problem. Are you going to put Gavi or are you going to put Kessier? Kessier has got much more experience. He was the best player in Italy in the Serie A uh, two seasons ago. You can't really compare him with Gavi. Gavi has been on the scene for, what, 12 months tops? And everyone's uh, waxing lyrical about him, rightly so, because he's been good. But I don't see him uh, surpassing uh, the likes of uh, Frank Kessier just yet. He, just, he will have to work hard for that. Um, going up, going ahead, you know, I think uh, Barcelona have got some other problems. I don't see them uh, being with Martin Braithwaite for the for another season. I think he's been really, really uh, good for them. Or the speed that they have, they, they paid to Leganes. 
uh, was it Leganes or Levante? I don't really remember. I think it was Leganes. Uh, they pl- they paid that fee. Leganes went down. Uh, was a good. He he's a good player. I think he works very hard. He's got good pace. And not particularly sure about his finishing attributes, but he's got good pace. He's got good uh, eye for a ball. He's got good running. Uh, he's got good decision making as well to to be uh, part of. But he's not a Barcelona mature, so I don't see him being at Barcelona for the foreseeable future. I don't see Memphis Depay also being there. I mean, it's just a pity. I mean, he was brilliant for Lyon in that last season that he played there. Um, now he's uh, been linked to a move. Uh, away to the Premier League and all sorts of, sorts of things. I mean, he's just been treated badly there. I don't see him fitting into the Xavi system. So he goes out. Maybe they uh, also eke out some other players. Sergino Dest, I don't see them, him going out because they're already short on right backs. And Cesar Aspilicueta, in his days right now, is more of a uh, defensive right back rather than an attacking one. So I'll see them uh, persisting with uh, him as, as, far as, as far as the... Uh, present tense goes for for me so that's it from me yeah you know Barcelona if you look at Bernardo Silva that's that's really putting a shot in the dark I mean Bernardo Silva Manchester City should be realistically pointing out to around 90 to 100 million euros for Bernardo Silva nothing less than 90 million euros and he's going to demand a lot of salary doesn't make any sense for Barcelona and as far as Bernardo Silva goes you've got to place in the starting 11 in Manchester City. There are very few players who can get that position away from you. You've got nothing to fear about. You, And I've always thought that Pep Guardiola have, has had a soft spot for uh, for Bernardo Silva. So uh, I'll, it, it will be disastrous for me to think that, yeah, Bernardo Silva will go out of the team. And it's just it's just crazy. I mean, I don't think in that way. So that's it from me today, by the way. you know, Be sure to check into my podcast. Be sure to... Uh, Check into my Twitter and my uh, Instagram account in weeklypod underscore OTT on Twitter, W-E-E-K-L-Y underscore OTT on Twitter and weeklypod dot OTT on Instagram. Be sure to check into my uh, other pod- other podcast episodes as well. Uh, we'll have uh, a lot of ex- episodes in this uh, mid-season. Uh, we'll, we'll see the, the time between two seasons. We'll have much more podcasts. We'll see much more about the World Cup as well if uh, time permits. Uh, until then... Take care, take care of yourself and be safe. Uh, many diseases are on the horizon right now. You know, lots of uh, bad uh, reports coming out from the medical departments and uh, things are not looking great now if you are in, uh, in, in, in that sort of situations. Uh, be safe uh, as far as I go. This was your host, Mayuresh Matkar. Cheerio!